is when we all start singing Adele. Hello, can Hello. you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and a big welcome to my friend, Rachel Grossman from Artigiano Food Cart. She is a chef here in Portland, as well as a new venture in Michigan. And honestly, she has opened my mind to the world of wine pairing and making amazing food, let's be honest. So um, she, I think, really does an amazing job of this. And we'll talk a little bit more about it in the episode. But I just wanted after, you know, a couple of our conversations where we've talked about uh, wine pairing in the past, I wanted to get a chef on to talk about it. And so Rachel's joining us today. So with that, welcome, Rachel. I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. It's uh, fun to be here. Excited to talk to you guys. So first things first, Rachel, can you tell us who you are, about your restaurant, what you do, where people can find us, just up top, all those good things. Yeah. Um, so my name's Rachel Grossman, and I've uh, had an outdoor Italian restaurant here in Portland, Oregon, for going on 13 seasons now. Um, so I'm only open in the summertime, and I'm getting ready to open for our 13th season um, next week. So um, I try to, spe- I specialize in creating a not only Italian menu that's authentic, but I really want to create an authentic Italian experience. So all of my dinners are lengthy, unhurried Italian dinners that are many courses and lots of food. So people kind of compare me to an Italian grandmother where I just kind of keep pushing food on them and they come to my dinners (laughs) and they think, oh, that must have been the last course, but nope, there's more. And um, so they're sort of meant to be dinner parties that we throw every night and, um, you know, you're a guest at the party. So that's sort of what I go for. Um, And I am also starting another project in Michigan, um, but it's not quite ready yet. So (laughs) um, does does it have a name? It does. Um, It's going to be called Streganona, which means uh, witch grandmother. And it's also there's a children's book called Streganona, and it's um, about a witch who was a grandmother <laughs> in this little village and um, she had a cauldron that she would cast a spell on and make pasta for the village. Um, and then she hired a little helper and of course he wanted to cast the spell and then next thing you know, the whole town is under pasta. So um, it's a cute <laughs> little children's story, but uh, I named it that because um, I had just bought a building that was built in 1873 and um, wow. a lot of history and it's definitely got some sort of witchy vibes to it um, cool. and uh, it also has been a bar for a long time since I think since 1911 it's been a bar so they've been making you know elixirs and potions and um, 
you know, it just, I, I have always regretted calling Artigiano Artigiano and not just Nona because everyone says like, oh, and Nona is your spirit animal and everyone calls me Nona. I identify as Nona instead of chef. <laughs> um, and so I kind of always regretted that because it's so much easier to say and it's so much more easily translatable that I'm like, okay, I shouldn't make that same mistake again. But just Nona wasn't like the right fit for this new venture because it's more of a like bar that's got this history and it just felt like Nona wasn't right for that. Um, so it just kind of was like, oh, duh, Straganona. <laughs> so I love it. That's the story. I love the way it sounds too. Like that's a, a nice, it has such a nice flow, mm-hmm. Straganona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the history connection to you, too, of, like, this grandma that just, like, overloads people with pasta, and that's basically <laughs> what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Where in so. Michigan is Streganona lo- going to be located? Um, in the Upper Peninsula. So it's um, in my hometown. Oh. I'm originally from a town called Nagani, which is about mm, 10 miles outside of Marquette, Michigan, in the oh, UP. Yeah. So about 10, 15 miles from Lake Superior. Um, and, uh, yeah, my hometown has kind of been sort of in a lull for the last mm, many years. I mean, pretty much the whole time that I was growing up, the downtown area was really kind of dead and it's now starting to revitalize as Marquette has sort of become a booming little Portland-y like town. Um, Nagani Mm -hmm. really needs a fresh face. And so I kind of... I, so I've been spending winters in the UP for the last, uh, I guess since 2013, I started spending at least a month there every winter. And um, as the time goes on, I keep spending more and more months. And I just love cross-country skiing in the winter. And so I'm just like there as much as possible. And so when 2020 yeah. hit, I just had a lot of spare time. And um, I thought, oh, I'm going to buy like a lake house or something. And then... I decided that I can't really afford that and I should just buy myself a job instead. Um, so, that's, uh, so that's what I did. And I'm excited to be a part of the revitalizing the downtown area and like kind of try to make my hometown, which I love, um, more of a like hip and happening place as well as it's already happening as far as the nature goes. Like there's cool. extensive trail systems and it's just, beautiful. So, um, I love it there. Thanks for sharing all that. Maybe. Yeah. And now let's get to the wine Mm -hmm. aspect. Yeah. Enough about me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so great to hear though. And it's so nice to put it like a full picture together of, uh, yeah, just because someone is into wine doesn't mean that's all they're into. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Uh, okay. So, we heard a little bit about your current projects, but how did you get started in the in the food world and, you know, hence like the wine world? How did you really come to that so point So I life? started cooking when I was a really little girl. Like there's, um, there's a picture of me when I was about two years old cooking with my grandma. And so my mom's mom, um, my grandma, she taught me how to cook my whole life. Um, she was a really, really, really good cook and she was into French food and everything that she did was kind of 
intentionally perfect and Mm -hmm. it all had to be a certain way, which is not my style. I definitely took a different direction, but all of my inspiration (laughs) initially came from her. Um, And so I used to go to her house as a little girl, like after middle school, I would walk over there once a week and we would do a cooking class together. And uh, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And, um, and she was, she was great. And she actually also, she taught cooking classes for the community as well um, on occasion and did like a bi-monthly publication um, with recipes and like dinner party ideas and stuff like that. So she was super into it and she was my initial inspiration. Um, and then I really got into wine, I would say. Um, I went to culinary school and one of my instructors um on wine was just super fun and bubbly and inspiring. And (laughs) the way that he taught us about wine, it was just like, I don't know. I just had to, I was super drawn um, because I think because of him, um, he was a big inspiration. His name was Paul Sherman. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) he was also a sommelier at a restaurant in LA and, um, yeah, he was just so fun. And then after that, I went to Italy and um, I was working at an agriturismo there where we did everything from make our own olive oil to, you know, um, help the neighbors make wine. And that's what they served in the restaurant. And um, it's kind of hard to be in Italy and not be obsessed with wine and food and food and wine together. So I think that was the hook. Where was the agriturismo that you worked at? Um, it was north of Rome, um, about an hour north of the city in the countryside. It was a medieval walled-in hilltop town um, oh, called cool. Casperia, and it was it was beautiful. It was really, really, really special. I know recently you and I went to Italy, but not so recently, but (laughs) we'll say in the more recent uh, past, uh, we went to Italy together. And one of the things I've been really impressed by you, I mean, I've also worked in the food cart, washing dishes, (laughs) 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 but um, I've always been really impressed how, and I noticed it most in Italy, you will be able to eat something and then deconstruct it and then figure out kind of how to rebuild or create your own spin on something. Um, And then just kind of getting like, so that for one is really impressive. Good job. Um, (laughs) But with that, how do you kind of go about, this is kind of the meat of the conversation, but going about like creating your menus and then maybe just drinking wine and saying, this is what I'm going to create with this wine. Like, Do you create... <laughs> you do, do you, that, Rachel? <laughs> do you taste wines and say, I'm going to pair this food with that? Or do you taste food and say, I'm going to pair this wine with that or both? I do both, <laughs> for sure. Like, I mean, okay. I would say if I'm making a certain dish and it has certain qualities, it might remind mm-hmm. me of a wine or make me think, oh, that would be really good together. And the, mm-hmm. the thing is, though, is that for me, what I've realized is you can't really take good food and good wine and have a bad pairing. Like there's only a few like little sort of 
I would say rules of thumb that, you know, I've tested and tried and I, I stay away from. But in general, if you're if you have a dish that's going to be delicious and you have a delicious wine, you almost can't mess up. So there's there's like mm-hmm. kind of classic ways that I'll think about pairing, but then sometimes it's also fun to kind of do the total opposite. So like like a big red wine with a big, heavy, meaty dish. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of an obvious pairing, right? Um, but it's mm-hmm. also sometimes fun to like say, oh, well, this is like a super rich, big, heavy meat dish. This might be fun to pair with something like a bright white wine or like a sparkling wine yeah. or like, let's just pair sparkling wine with everything. How about? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> That's what I've been saying this whole time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but like maybe I'll be making a dish that's like super herbaceous or um, like a, a meat dish that like, um, let's just, I actually have to talk about like specifics. Otherwise I just sound yeah. crazy. So let's, <laughs> let's pretend I'm making, um, coda alla vaccinata, which is a, uh, rich Roman style oxtail stew. So, and it's actually got a little bit of chocolate in it. So it's almost, it's super oh, rich. Oh. It's almost like the Italian mole, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, though not spicy, but it's just, it, it does have baking spices. So cinnamon and mm-hmm. um, you, you can even see it with allspice sometimes and chocolate. And so it's very rich and heavy. And so classically, I mean, the, I would say the easiest way that I would think about making a pairing to this dish is go regionally. So it's like, this is a dish in the Lazio region. So I would look for Lazio wines. And it's kind of crazy how if you're taking a regional dish, it almost always pairs perfectly because the (laughs) food of that region and the ingredients that are available in that region kind of come from the same terroir, if you think of it. Mm -hmm. So the wines that are grown there have that have flavor profiles that go really well. So you know, so if I'm making Cora la Vachinara, the natural first thought would be like, well, of course, I'm going to pair it with like a Cessanese, which is sort of a dark red uh, Roman style wine um, that has a decent amount of tannin to cut through that meat, that heavy dish. But it also has a nice amount of acid, which most Italian wines have a lot of acid, which is why I love them the most because (laughs) acid and food go great together because otherwise it sort of leaves you with this like palate that hasn't been cleansed. So it's like acid is like the best cut, cut through of almost any food. But then you could take that same dish and instead pair it with a white wine and that would work too as long as it's you know I wouldn't pair it with a red wine or a white wine or a pink wine or any wine that's super light because then Mm -hmm. the food will sort of just take over and eat the wine and you won't be able to taste the wine at all or vice versa if you have a super light dish that is subtle I wouldn't pair Mm -hmm. it with a huge wine that's gonna like take steal the show and then the food will kind of taste bland or will taste boring I guess and Mm -hmm. so that's I mean that's kind of how I think of it I guess 
That's awesome. Those Can't are have boring food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so when you have a winemaker that comes to you and says, I have this wine lineup, I want to do a wine dinner with you. Mm-hmm. Are there certain things when you're tasting the wines that you then say, okay, I, I would really like to play with this flavor or this, how uh, the body of this wine or whatever um, that you, that are like markers for you as you're tasting the wine that you think about food. Kind of talked about how you taste food and think about how it'll pair with wine, but then. Yeah. So the I do that a lot, actually, um, where I'll, I'll do a winemaker dinner and I'll taste all the wines. And, you know, again, it's like, what I, what I said is that good food and good wine always kind of work together. So really like sure. the easy, the easy way to think of it is just like, kind of think of the weight of the wine and then like the basic, like, is it acidic? Is it sweet? Is it, you know, what's going on here? And then kind mm-hmm. of choose foods that will go match the weight of the wine, I guess. So if it's a super yeah. heavy one, kind of make a rich, heavy, loud dish. Um <laughs> But I actually have a good example of this as well. I don't know if I'm allowed to name drop wines, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, we do okay. it all the time. So <laughs> I actually have a great example. Um, there's a... Unless it's naughty. Don't do not do it if you're talking mean about something. Oh, no, it's not mean or naughty. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, I recently decided to buy a bunch of Helioterra's Star Thistle um, Cuvee wine, which is a little bit sweet. So just kind you know, not like a dessert wine, but it's off dry, but it's got a lot of nice acid. And I mm-hmm. believe it's a Riesling blend. And um, I just love that wine so much. And it, I typically would like to pair that wine with like spicier food because it's mm-hmm. got the sweetness and the sweetness really helps with like a spicy dish where you can still taste the wine and the heat is still really nice. Whereas if there's no residual sugar, it's sometimes kind of like, I don't know, the spice can be not a great pairing with wine. It could make the wine taste a little bitter Um, So the sweetness really like is a great pairing with spicier food. Um, But I wanted to pour this wine at one of my Italian dinners. And so it was like I tasted the wine and I don't know, I just kind of like it brought me to Sicily and it brought me to this like sort of agridolce sauce that is really common in not only Sicily, but the south of Italy. That's it, Agridolce means angry and sweet. So usually it's <laughs> kind of like acidic and sweet and um, sweet and sour, I guess, is, is what agridolce sauce is. Um, but sometimes you'll find it with a little bit of a kick to it. So I made this octopus dish, um, which also like a sweet wine, you kind of think mm, something kind of salty and, you know, C-E mm. yeah. will go really mm-hmm. good with this. So I made <laughs> octopus and I did it with an agridolce that I put some like spicy peppers on. And it was like, it was really like an intentional, perfect pairing that like yeah. I was inspired to make that dish only because of that wine like I wouldn't have made that dish as an appetizer for that dinner if I didn't 
choose to serve that wine. So, um, and sometimes wines don't, you know, sometimes I taste a wine for a wine pairing dinner and I think like, okay, well, this could go with just about any of these dishes. So that's great too, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I typically do like 12 course dinners. So it's like, we're not pairing 12 different wines with each dish that I make. So it's like, you want to, I do want to find more versatile wines that'll pair with more than one thing. Um, Yeah. So that's really cool. So on that, are there any sort of like dynamic pairings or different things that you kind of are kind of your, or, or something that maybe is your base too, that you just kind of always go back to? Bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For the listeners to know, Haley makes bubbly wine and Rachel's obsessed with bubbly wine. So this is like a match made in heaven. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So bubbles is your dynamic pairing. (laughs) Yeah. Bubbles pair with life. Bubbles pair with everything. So it's so um, true. Yeah. We've done winemaker dinners dinners before. Um, we've we've t- tended to try to do more lunches and brunches um, because a lot of the feedback we would get is like, wait, so you're pairing sparkling wine with everything tonight? Like even the steak, din- the main course? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, we are. Uh, oh, no red wine? No, you signed up for a sparkling wine dinner. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, and trust me, it's going to pair well. Like it's the, the way that the menu has been built, the bubbles will pair with the meal. (laughs) So I'm glad to hear that you believe that as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, is there, okay. What I'm just going to go off the cuff here is okay. Rachel, what is your favorite thing to pair with bubbles? Oh, like, well, probably oysters. (laughs) Oh, I agree. 100%. Love it. But you know, that's a great. Right? I'm, I don't know. Great... Favorites are hard, but like you know, mm-hmm. like oysters and life and bubbles and life. Like, yeah, I'll take those. Rachel just texted me the other day and said, "Hey, I'm at my oyster farmer because you know we all have one of those." And and I know I can't say that word correctly. Just bear with me, um, oyster. Um, <laughs> But she was like, do you want me to get some? And I was like, yeah, 12. And she was like, is that 12 dozen or 12 individual ones? (laughs) You know me well, Rachel. (laughs) Oysters are a great example of, I think a lot of people think of bubbles and, uh, you know, drinking bubbles and eating oysters. But if you really think about an oyster too, it's not like this light, delicate little thing. Like, well, I guess you can have certain oysters are more, light and delicate than others, but a lot of oysters are just like, if you taste them on their Meaty. own, they're just these big, <laughs> flavorful mm-hmm. <laughs> things. And so if you really break down, like you're saying, you can have something like that pair with bubbles because most bubbles are going to have that high acidity and like mm-hmm. a bigger body than you really realize because you think of them as this light, delicate, bubbly thing, but really there's a lot to that wine. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oysters are like salt bombs, obviously, but they're also like, they're just so minerally and so, mm-hmm. and uh, just so flavorful and like, they're actually, yeah, they're kind of big. So, mm-hmm. um, and then a lot of times bubbles might have a little bit of residual sugar, which is also nice with that like salt bomb in yeah. your mouth. It really like helps, it helps you move on to the next oyster. 
<laughs> where we all want to exactly. go. <laughs> yeah. And I like oysters plain. I just like, mm-hmm. I like to slurp them down with nothing, you know? Like, I just yeah. want to taste the yeah. oyster. And so I really like them straight with you know, straight with bubbles. That's what I'll have. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I say. I'm like, why would I want to taste something other than the oyster? Like I want the flavor of the sea in my mouth. (laughs) That's all I want. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do you, I'm going to, do you have a preference for East Coast or West Coast um, if they're coming from the U.S.? Best Coast. Yeah, (laughs) I I like West Coast oysters. Um, I think... That's probably I fell in love with them while I've been on the West Coast. So yeah, uh, I haven't had great luck with East Coast ones, but I haven't had them that much, you know. And yeah, I know I'm from Michigan, so that should be like it's closer to the East Coast. But I don't know. Like I'm from Lake Superior. We don't have oysters there, so like, <laughs> I eat a lot of oysters while I'm in Oregon, and I yeah. really love yeah. our the oysters up here. The ones up in Washington are my favorite. Um, Actually, yeah, yeah. Treasure Cove oysters are my favorite. (laughs) They're in Washington. And and, uh, there's another plug for you. (laughs) Helioterra and Treasure Cove oysters. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe together. Yeah, maybe together. I'm actually, I'm doing a a Treasure Cove dinner at Artigiano in a couple weeks. So uh, do you still have seats available? What's that? Do you still have seats available? As far as I know, last time I checked, yes. There you go, right. Portland listeners. Mm-hmm. Go get your tickets. Well, yeah. <laughs> By the time this comes out, maybe oh. it might be a little late. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> maybe um, there will be another one. You never know. There will be a, yeah. I'm sure. Cool. Is there anything that we didn't ask you that you wanted to tell us about or that you wish we would have asked? I don't think so. <laughs> We talked about East Coast, West Coast oysters. We talked about lots of things that we did not, you know, this is why we call it whole cluster conversation. Um, It's not. Yeah, yeah, I guess I was kind of bummed you didn't ask me where I got my glasses. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Where did you get your glasses? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I guess on that note, you have to visit Rachel sometime if you're in Portland at her cart Artigiano or in the hopefully in the future in Michigan. Yes. Um at Straganona. Did I say mm-hmm. that correctly? Yes. Um and you just have to check out because she always has such fabulous glasses, <laughs> such beautiful flowing hair. <laughs> <laughs> which she does tie up when she's working. Don't worry. Um, uh, And always some fun dresses and whatever else. So um, you will have to look or see her in person someday. And I can attest to the fact that uh, I had a young, young child when I ate at Artigiano's and we were meeting up with some other people that had a young kid and some other friends, Ashley and David. um, And we, yeah, we just sat there, even with little kids, and we just got to sit and eat. We felt welcomed, and, like, we were, even though it was a busy night, we felt like we were the only people <laughs> at the restaurant eating, and um, it's a lovely, lovely experience. If you guys have the chance to go, go. And uh, once Strega Nona's open, don't miss it. <laughs> we're going to Michigan. Yeah. I need to do some cross-country yeah. skiing. Yeah, you do. Thanks, everybody, for listening. 
And uh, we'll put a bunch of stuff in the show notes on where you can find Rachel and get to eat with her. And uh, we will take any suggestions that you have on the things that you'd like to learn about and hear us discuss on Whole Cluster Conversation. You can reach us on our socials at Whole Cluster Conversation. And you can also reach us via email at uh, wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com. Thanks. And we'll talk again with you next week. Ciao. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.